Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Alien or aliens? That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. I was trying to think how to do it like Bill Paxton. Can you give us a Bill Paxton version of Alien or Aliens? Alien or Aliens, man. (laughs) Perfect. Welcome to We Got This with Mark and Hal, the show where we settle the debates nobody else will touch, and you better not touch these, because they will slaughter you. They will. This was suggested by E.J. Salazar. I want to put that up front. Yes, thank you, E.J. This is a very exciting topic. This, I think, Hal, I had not seen these movies. I enjoyed these movies a a great, great deal, so I thank you for wanting to do this topic. I thank E.J. Salazar for picking this topic. I feel like this is going to, for me get philosophical rather quickly well when i brought this up initially you had not seen Mm -hmm. alien or aliens right and can you tell the audience why why i had not seen them yes i had just not seen them it was there was no oh because my memory of it was your first exposure to the alien cinematic universe was going to see david fincher's oh that's three so i had seen alien three and yeah, this was, I, I had not seen Alien or Aliens. I had seen Alien 3. It came out, I think, when I was in college. And I was like, this is fine. It was, I think it was like 92. Was Alien 3 that long? Oh, maybe it was Alien Resurrection I saw. Which one oh, is she shaved oh, wow. headed? Which one does she have a shaved oh, head wow. in? Wow. No, that's Alien 3. That's Alien, that's that's Alien 3. That's the David one that's in the dark with Charles S. Dutton. Yeah. It's very dark. I mean, they're all very dark. It starts right after Aliens. And Aliens starts right after Alien, not right after, well, 57, 57 years, years after, but, but yes. in Ripley's timeline, yes, right after yes. she's just been awakened. Yeah, I had not seen these movies before. I loved them both, but I loved them both for very different reasons. And this is why I think this is going to get philosophical fast, because one is, I think, a great film. And I think one is a exemplary of its popcorn genre a movie i'll say it's one is a movie and one is a film well i mean here's the challenge right yeah they're both sci-fi films alien is maybe the greatest sci-fi horror film ever made yeah and aliens is maybe arguably if not the best one of the best sci-fi action films ever made that's where I look at this. And this is why I was like, this is why this feels like it's a philosophical discussion to me, because mm. I think that Alien is a great film. It is a great, it is objectively great. It is perfect. Every moment, things that I didn't know were tropes became tropes, I believe, because of this movie. It is of its genre perfect. I think that Aliens, I don't know if it is a great sci-fi action movie it is the most action sci-fi movie and the most sci-fi action movie and the most 80s of both of them you know what i mean you know i understand what you're saying i keep thinking of this clip i think it might be at nyu it's trey parker and matt stone the creators Mm -hmm. of south park talking about writing a script and what makes a great story Mm -hmm. and what they said is 
if you have two beats and the thing connecting them is, and then, then your story's already screwed. Mm -hmm. But if it starts with this happens, therefore, or, but this happens, then you start creating this logical line. And I think that like, maybe the best example of that is every fight in the first three Indiana Jones films, specifically the fight with the German mechanic in Raiders of the Lost Ark. They get into a fight. They, you know, she gets thrown to the cockpit and therefore she starts the plane that goes. And therefore this gets knocked over and there's a circle of fire around them. So all these things that happen, there is a domino effect to it. And what struck me rewatching, I've seen alien a bunch of times. I've seen aliens a bunch of times. What struck me in watching aliens. And I think the reason why it's hailed as much as it is not just because of the action, or the great cast, which both films have. But in that film and in, in that action film, I don't think there are a lot of moments where you go like, that makes no sense. Almost right. everything, you know, she frees Newt from the goo and she's ready to, to leave. But because of the flamethrower, she's created a firewall that she has to go through the other way. And that has her encounter the queen. She's got to find right. another way out. Everything has a logical story. And I think also it's sort of a Godfather 2 and Godfather where – if you just watched it on its own, Aliens would mm-hmm. just be an action film on its own. Yeah. Having Alien as the backstory makes it a lot more meaningful and go, oh, well, they didn't just do Alien again, because I don't think you could. No, and I love that they switched genres for the second movie, and they really did. Like, you mentioned the script. Structurally, Aliens is pretty perfect. I mean, they mm-hmm. set everything up. You, they, they do all of... It's almost so structurally perfect that it's cliched, though. I don't know how many of these things were cliches when this movie came out. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. uh, Ripley, you get Ripley's full. You get all of this exposition with Ripley and uh, Paul Reiser's character at the top. Mm -hmm. Then you get the introduction of all of the soldiers and they all come in and have the most 1980s action movie version of a conversation that gets you a little bit about each of these characters. But it also struck me just stepping back and looking at these for the first time going, the first movie is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's a horror sci-fi. The second movie it's if we're going to make an action movie in 1986 based on a horror movie from 1979, I know let's take the hero from that movie, the villain from that movie and add the Marines. It just feels so Reagan-y. You know what I mean? Aliens feels like Alien plus Reagan. Well, uh, yeah, uh, it it's the guy who made Terminator and yeah. the guy who would go on to make Terminator 2 and make sure. True Lies and make the Avatar films and make Titanic. He's big on spectacle. He's mm-hmm. big on action. It was, as you pointed out, it's a year after Rambo this comes out. Yeah, First Blood Part 2, Rambo. Yeah, We're in like the middle of the Reagan 80s. So there is a sense of that. Like, yes, they brought in the Marines. But again, if you do it just the same, there's no reason for her to ever go back. She doesn't want to go back. But she encounters like, oh, there's a whole colony of people there. That there's some reason to say, we're going to go kill them, right? If we go there, we're going to kill them, right? You know, she doesn't fight the alien and aliens. She outsmarts it. Yeah. In a great, great scene. She just opens the airlock. Yeah. But this time the whole load lifter fight is great. And the load lifter looked so real that there were companies trying to order them. I know. I love that detail. I think that's so fun, but I got to say though, like you mentioned, this is why I say it feels it's so 80s. I like, look, I liked aliens. It is so 80s. I'm just going to point out a few things. 
they have like a brief romantic encounter between the corporal. I don't remember his name. Corporal, Hicks. corporal Hicks and Ripley. And what is their romantic scene? Him showing her how a gun works. There are no fewer than three loading guns montages in this movie. Um, the ship itself, the, what's it called? The Sudoku? <laughs> the Solano, I think. The Solano. That ship itself. If you look at that ship, it looks like a machine gun so much that it looks like a crazy Nerf machine gun that's been spray painted black. The gun obsession in Aliens is hilarious, especially Vasquez walking around. Basically, Vasquez just walks around posing with a cannon. At one point, she and Blondie, uh, I'm assuming it's William Zabka. I don't know any different, so I bet it's him. The two of them are literally doing what looks like machine gun Tai Chi as they're getting ready to go chase down the monsters. It's as if the movie Aliens went, okay, that one alien that we had in the first movie, why don't we make a thousand of those versus the Marines and everything that gun manufacturers can come up with to combat them? <laughs> now, as well, an I 80s mean, action movie, that is a delightful way to make a movie. I agree, but I also think it holds up. Oh, it's crazy fun. But that's why I think this is a philosophical discussion between an actual great movie and a super fun movie. Well, do you want to do – I put together some research in your yeah. honor for this. I love that you did this. I'm little baby's all grown up. I'll give you a little tale of the tape on this. Obviously, Alien comes out in 1979, running hours, mm -hmm. about just under two hours, directed by Ridley Scott, written by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. It was, an, I believe, an adaptation of a novel. No, sorry. There was a novelization that came afterwards because yeah. they didn't show the novelist what the, what the Xenomorph was going to look like because they didn't want it to get out. Like They really Ooh. kept the lid on H.R. Giger's design. H.R. Giger didn't write the novelization? No. But he doodled on every copy he found. Perfect. Aliens came out in 1986, so it's seven years after the original. Yeah. It's running time. Uh, the theatrical runtime is two hours and 34 minutes. There is an additional 15 minutes in the director's cut, including a really cool scene with an automatic gun that stands sentry and kills a bunch of aliens. As the uh, tick oh, see, I didn't know. Also, I did not know which was director's cut scenes and which was original scenes because I only watched I the director's cut. Yes, I'll tell you when you tell yeah. me. If you mention a scene, I'll tell you if it was in the director's Because there are a couple not. things that I was like, do we really need machine gun Tai Chi? This feels long. The part of that was in there, those guns that are based on Steadicam harnesses. Yeah. And the other actor whose character name I do not remember, that actor would go on to, among many other things, play the inmate who aggresses Andy Dufresne repeatedly in the Shawshank yeah. Redemption. Yeah, he's a great actor. character, just a terrifying character actor. Yes, as is Jeanette Goldstein, who would go on to Terminator 2 to play the adoptive mother of John Connor, the one who's Which one was it. Jeanette Goldstein? She was Vasquez. Oh, she was great, except that all she did, her entire identity, was based on carrying the biggest gun around. Yes, she was, a, she was tough. Yeah, she sure, was that tough. was her thing. She, I, I get that she was tough. I like that she was tough. She and Bill Paxton had their wise cracking moments together. It was great. Yes. Um. James Cameron would direct that. He also yeah. co-wrote the screenplay with David Geiler and Walter Hill, who I believe is a producer on the original Alien. Mm -hmm. They made almost the same amount of money worldwide. Weirdly, like within a million. Like a million and a half. A million and a half, uh, yeah. Alien made a million and a half more. They each won and were nominated for Oscars. We had. Can uh, I tell you what was a surprise? Yeah. yeah. 
I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. I think that was a surprise that Aliens was nominated for more Oscars than Alien was. Specifically, I thought Ian Holmes should have been nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Oh, for Best Supporting Actor. For Best Supporting Actor. I think he is so, so good in that movie. Oh, he's so good in Alien. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can tell where my favorite is, but we're looking at this objectively. Yeah, it's great. I always forget how good it is. Yeah. Probably because I'm more of an action person than a horror person. But the horror films that I like, I like a lot. I appreciate Mm -hmm. when they're well made. And this one is. This is the log line on the script when the readers would hand it off was Jaws in Space, which is almost exactly what it is, including the the inspiration the face hugger alien and the chest burst uh the chest burster as they were called mm-hmm. on set and have now come to be known sort of widely they share a total of about 4 minutes of screen time in that entire movie no kidding in the first one in the first one boy that face it is so so terrifying mhm just the design hr giger's design for these uh, xenomorphs is I mean, yeah, I'm not saying anything controversial to say that it's some of the all-time great production design of any movie monster ever. Mm-hmm. They're cool, they're slick, they're sleek, they're sexy, and they're terrifying, and they're, oh, it's a lot going on with those. Yeah, I'm yeah. a big fan. It's so good. So how would you like to look at this? I'm curious if we should just take a look at each of the movies and look at some of the pros and cons of each of them. We've talked a lot about Already, we've talked a lot about aliens and how 1980s Reagan-y it is. Sure. And I don't mean that as a pejorative. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to knock it down because 1980s machine gun action movies are a very specific genre. And this is a great example of the genre. But I would love to dig into each movie individually a little bit. Should we take a break and come back and do that? No, let's dig in right now just briefly and then we'll take a break. All right. Because I think I want to talk a little bit about Alien, which I think is like the auteur movie of the 70s. Yeah. Super darkly lit. Just a little bit of light everywhere. I love it, though. Everything's so specific. Oh, yeah. This is every pinpoint of light is specific. That whole opening sequence that is just slowly panning the ship before mm-hmm. everyone wakes up. So it's it's just setting up. Here we are in this claustrophobic environment. Here is everywhere that I'm going to show you now everywhere we're going to be in the course of this movie or in the or in the course of the at least the third act of this movie when we're back on the ship. We're going to go to another planet to pick up the alien that terrorizes us. But yeah, those shots of the ship are just I thought that. I thought it felt very auteur-ish when it started. I was like, "Okay, this is a director having a conversation with an audience. Yes. It's got an yeah. improvisational feel. A lot of the dialogue was developed that way. Yeah. It's very like, it feels small in scope, mm-hmm. even though there are shots where you feel like, Oh, they're alone in the vastness of space. There's something very small yeah. about it on purpose. They're in these close quarters with a creature. They can't see, can't track because mm-hmm. Harry Dean Stanton lets the cat run away when they have the chance yeah. to net it which could have oh, the changed the outcome of everything. I know. Well, here's the thing that I love about this movie that I think this had more of than the second one is everything was realistic in it. It felt like realistic blue collar jobs that mm-hmm. these people had. You know what I mean? So when yeah. they go off planet in their spacesuits, it feels really dangerous. 
you know, you get that wind whipping loud, you know, before you even see any of the aliens, any of the xenomorphs, just the notion of danger and looking at like, oh, some of this gear does not look very new. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's almost like watching a Final Destination movie where I go, oh, that could kill someone and that could kill them. And no, oh, that probably doesn't look safe. That could kill them. There's so yeah. many little details that do that in that first movie. Yeah, it comes from uh, or inspired at least in part by Star Wars, that idea mm-hmm. of used space. Because prior to Star Wars, all of space, everything was super clean and shiny. Yeah. But there's, you know, the Millennium Falcon obviously has been through a bunch of owners, been modified. Yeah. So there's this idea of reused, recycled space. And that carries on there. These are like space truckers. Mm-hmm. And they even, when they were in the bridge together, they would have switches. And if you hit the switches, it would turn on the lights somewhere else. So somebody else's station would, would light up and then that would prompt them to do stuff. So it created like a work routine for them. Yeah. So everything was thought out in a really, really specific way. Mm-hmm. And you knew what a day on that, you knew what a day on the Nostromo consisted of, just like a regular boring day. You knew what a boring day felt like on that ship. It was so visceral. Absolutely. Can I tell you another thing I loved about this movie? And I think this is just a, this is just a testament to having really brilliant actors. There's a scene. Do you know the scene between Tom Skerritt and Sigourney Weaver where she's like, what's going on? This is what's happening. I think this. I disagree with you. You're the captain. You know what I mean? They have just one of those moments. And the script of it, if you just read that script, it is the driest captain and third in command conversation of detail plot points. But because it's two brilliant actors, you watch that scene and they infuse it with so much subtext that even though it's never mentioned again in the movie, you watch that and you go, there's some relationship between Ripley and Dallas. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it is a friendship, a nemesis relationship, or a romantic relationship. But they, just as actors, they can play subtext so well that you care about these characters having feelings about one another. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a familiarity. There were scenes that Ridley Scott was going to include where that implied that the crew would have sex with one another just because – just to – have had sex while they were out in space. And then sure. Tom Skerritt was like, this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't move the plot forward. So yeah. they never even shot it, which wow. is good. I don't think you need it's great. It didn't need it. But just having that scene subtext in that scene, you're like, okay, these two obviously mean something to one another. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, let's take a break. Mm-hmm. We're going to head down to LV four, two, six and check out where the signal's coming from. And in the meantime, Please enjoy hearing from some of the other fine shows on the Max Fun Network, which, of course, is dependent on your support. All the shows, including ours, depend on listener support in order to keep going. So we hope you'll enjoy some of these other shows on the network and maybe an ad or two. We'll find out. We'll report back from the surface of the planet right after this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not sure. Hey there, beautiful people. I'm Jarrett Hill. And I'm Trayvill Anderson, and we want to know, have you ever had mixed feelings about the things that you love? Ooh, maybe about the things that you hate? 
then Fantai is the show for you. Fantai is the podcast for all those complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives. You might have conflicting feelings about Kamala Harris or mm-hmm. propaganda or mm-hmm. interracial friending. Mm-hmm. That's all right, because we do too. And we get into it every single Thursday. Catch this Slayworthy audio at MaximumFun.org. That's MaximumFun.org slash Fanti. That's F-A-N-T-I. Come get all this good good. Or this great great. Since we reached our highest milestone during the Max Fun Drive, we are creating a Max Fun Foley library full of sound effects from your favorite hosts. The whole Max Fun community will be able to use it. So... What would you like it to feature? People high-fiving? Walking through mud? Chicken clucking? Jazz kazoo? Head to MaximumFun.org slash Foley. That's MaximumFun.org slash F-O-L-E-Y and submit your ideas. We're excited to make this silly thing together and even more excited to see what you all create with it. And thank you again for a great Max Fun Drive. And we're back. It was all fine. <laughs> Thank goodness. I love, you know what? These movies would have been so much shorter if that was how it happened. It's fine. Yeah. I want to point out another thing that I just could keep talking about. Look, Aliens is great. Alien, I could talk about forever now that I'm a brand new fan and I'm so fired up about it. But I want to talk specifically head to head musically, right? In the first movie, we have Jerry Goldsmith, who did all of the music for the original movie. And I think that Jerry Goldsmith's music in this, because the whole movie played out in episodes and scenes, it almost felt like a symphony. You know what I mean? Like each individual scene had a totally different style and a totally different feeling. There's, you know, the big, heavy, dramatic, physical visceral there's blood coming out of your chest scene in the dining room versus the very quiet very claustrophobic tom scarrett as dallas crawling through the air ducts and they had different music and they had different feelings and i think that there was so much variety in the storytelling in that movie thoughts i will tell you the thing i remember the least about that film is the mm. music oh I'll really tell you the thing about it which is not to say Jerry Goldsmith isn't brilliant. I just, it doesn't stand out to me except at the very end. I'm like, Oh, there's music playing over the credits while I need time to process what I just saw. Yeah. I think that James Horner's score for aliens is a little bit more iconic. And Oh, interesting. I, I, cause again, these are, I'm new to these movies. I don't know what are the iconic things necessarily. And it may, I, it may be just to me. Like I, you have to remember, I put it on cassette and would listen to it. Mm hmm. Like while I was doing homework or whatever, it just, I think it's, uh, obviously it's got a lot of, it has to have subtler moments, but there are also moments of all this, all this Mm -hmm. action that's going on. I think it's scored really well. And the moments that don't have music, you notice. Yeah. Like I noticed that in the first movie in Alien, actually, this is jumping movies, but they did the same thing in the first one. I it's it's so stark at the end that there is no music playing when the alarm starts going off. Once Mm -hmm. you've got that, "Eh, eh, eh," the music ends and you are just getting it's like a gut punch every time you hear that alarm go in the last couple of minutes. Yeah, it's a masterpiece. I think they're both masterpieces. 
Yeah. I just don't, the score, I don't, I, there's nothing I can point out from the alien score that I remember, but that I think that's a lot of design. pulses. There's a lot of pulsing. What sounds yeah. like it could be, it could blend into the background as a machine pulsing. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the brilliance of the score is that it blends in. Like that's yeah. not a knock. That's just, you're not supposed to remember it. You're supposed to feel like you're on the ship the whole time. Yeah. Jerry Goldsmith e- wrote a hospital's worth of EKGs to plug into that score. Exactly. Yes. That's the. Is that violins beeping? What do those violins beeping mean? What does that alarm? I don't know. Oh, God, the French horns have started. What does that alarm mean? (laughs) By the way, for all the talk about like one being an auteur film and one being an 80s action film, they Mm. are exactly the same on Rotten Tomatoes. They both have 90% from critics. Both have a 94% from audience. Yeah. So there's no like, this is the critical darling, but this one the audience is liked more. No, they're both beloved. They're both obviously yeah. beloved. And I would like to point out now, if I may jump over briefly, we're kind of all over the map. It's fine. If I may jump over briefly to aliens, there is one thing that I think aliens does so well that gives it an edge on the original alien in this particular episode. And that is it one ups. So many things from the first movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like little examples like, oh, uh, Harry Dean Stanton has dirty topless pictures hanging on his little station. Okay. Well, in aliens, the porn is going to be hanging on the wall of the gun, uh, armory. Great. In, mm-hmm. uh, in the first movie, oh, she's got to save a cat. Okay. In this movie, she has to save a feral kid. Oh, you thought Mother was a computer in the first movie? This time, Mother is the big bad. The whole alien. <laughs> oh, you like you like seeing Dallas in a little tunnel? Okay, we're going to put Bishop in an even tinier little tunnel. Like, every element that they did their version of. You like having one camera on the guy as he goes into the exploration phase of a mission? Now everyone has a camera, and they're on them the whole time. You know, part of (laughs) – I get that, and that is – there is truth to that. I also think that where Alien succeeds as a sequel in particular Mm -hmm. is that it expands on the lore. Yeah. Alien gets to benefit from the company. Well, who's the company? We don't hear from anybody at the company. We just know this android has been sent with a specific mission. Mother is the computer, and actually you can see – a label going into the room, the M-U-T-H-U-R, which is why they call it Mother. It's the actual name of the computer. Love it. It's just giving them instructions, but you don't talk to anybody. In the second one, we get like, oh, there is a company, and it's 57 years later. So mm-hmm. that's why the technology is different. Like, think about 57 years ago from today, sure. how like the big leaps that we've made technologically. And you have now a guy played brilliantly by Paul Reiser. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's so good in this. Yeah who winds up being a scumbag and the company is still the company, but you get to meet some of these people. You learn more about the xenomorphs and how they work that it's not just like, well, where did all these eggs come from? Why are they here? Where do the aliens go? How do they function? Mm -hmm. Um, And even the idea of we're now like terraforming planets, we're going with something that creates an atmosphere that's breathable and we call them shake and bake colonies. It's so smart. And the idea that the company would have said, all right, well, this didn't work. It didn't work when we sent the Nostromo down to get, to get us a sample. 
So we're going to send a whole colony of people there. There's no way they didn't know. I mean, obviously he knew because he sent them out to go, you know, they get there. He's like, go explore that. Go see what happened there. So you get the expansion of that. You get to know a lot more about Ripley. Like she's really the character you know the least about. You know her by her actions. In the the first first movie, the only thing you know about Ripley is that she's right. About yeah. everything. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie. Team. At the beginning, she's, uh, she's, uh, you know, kind of smug about it. Yeah. When she goes to see Ian Holmes, she's like, huh, I would have done this. And look what you did now. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try to do my job. She's like, okay, but I'm just coming by your desk to tell you you suck. But her is like the sole survivor yeah. of this horrific thing. And then being the only one who knows how to help these people and nobody listens to her because she has no, but like she gets authority yeah. because most of the people die off who are in command. I feel like they really amped up the Cassandra of her in the second movie. You know what I mean? Like in the first movie, Cassandra from mythology who was cursed mm-hmm. with being right, but nobody believing her in right. the first movie. There's a few people that are like, Oh, he, you're not in charge. Captain Dallas is in charge. In this movie, everyone tells her the whole time that she's wrong. You know what I mean? Or up until the point where they start to listen to her once the captain of this uh, particular group has a freeze up moment and she takes command. But she's got, she spends the first half of the movie saying, this is what's happening and everybody's saying you're wrong. So it does flesh that out a little more. Yeah. But it's also like, how do you take a creature that you only saw for maybe three minutes, two minutes in another movie and mm. have it constantly be on? And I think they did a great job with that. They created a hierarchy. You have the queen, then you have her guards who look yeah. different than the other xenomorphs that she, like, obviously they're not just mindless because the first yeah. thing is just like, they don't have eyes. They just hunt and kill. That's all that creature does. He's not taking anybody so that they can be. You know, he's not uh, propagating and continuing the species. Yeah. He's just like killing them. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. But the idea that they're just going to use you as a cocoon for more of them and the whole scene where the two face huggers are loose in the lab. And then we get the other, the scene of him turning off the monitor, which is a callback to Ash turning off the monitor when he sees the. Mm-hmm. You know, he knows what's going on inside of John Hurt. I can't remember John Hurt's character all of a sudden, but, mm-hmm. you know, he knows what's going on there and he's turning it off because he's got his own ulterior motive. Just like the redemption, like there's so many different, she, you get her full arc. There's, I don't think she has an arc in Alien. I think she's not really, no. Figures out how to survive. Yeah. Her and thing in Alien is being right. But she has a complete arc in Aliens. Even down to, I think Hudson is, no, Hudson is Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton's character goes from being super brave to being afraid to dying fighting. Yeah. Boy, when he dies fighting, it's it's a good redemption arc he's got. So, like, there's just different arcs there. Even, like, the story of Bishop is a redemption of just androids. Yeah. Bishop Bishop is like, Bishop had to have a redemption. Bishop didn't need a redemption arc, but he got one anyway. He was like, yes, look, see, I'm not all bad. Also, I was never bad. Yes. Yes, that's right. And Kane, by the way, is John Hurt's character. Kane is the one that Kane, who also appears in Spaceballs. Does he that does, scene a, in Spaceballs he does make a make great cameo. Now? It does. Well, I, the thing is, so many of these uh, scenes are epic 
scenes, you know, from the zeitgeist that you just know what they are. Like the alien bursting out of his chest, you know what it is. But that actually leads me to a thing I wanted to mention. You mentioned mm-hmm. how in the first movie, the aliens are only on for a little bit of the time. And in the second movie, there's a lot more of them. They're, as evidence by maybe my favorite shot in the whole movie, when they're wondering where they're coming from, and then they look mm-hmm. inside the ceiling tiles, and it's like cockroaches. For the first time, you just get a quick flash of a thousand of them all at once. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. But there's something cool in the first movie, too, that you don't see them that much. It's almost like a John Wick movie versus a Chekhov play. If a gun goes off in a John Wick movie, it's not a big deal. If a gun goes off in a Chekhov play, it's a major plot point. In that, those moments are fewer and more important. Specifically, what I'm thinking of is in that scene where Kane is about to have the xenomorph jump out of his chest in the first movie. All they know at this point is they're holding him down while he's freaking out. And then all they see is a little, like little spray of blood in the middle of his chest. No alien has jumped out yet. His chest hasn't been ripped open. All you see is his shirt gets wet with blood. Mm-hmm. And there's a full-on, terrifying, full-second pause right there. Where everybody goes from, we're holding down a guy to restrain him, to this is something different. And that moment to me was one of those super scary, super simple, small moments in that movie that just... <laughs> sucks the breath out of you. You know what I mean? Right. And then that gets you to aliens when the Marines discover the person who's still alive saying, kill me. Right. And then the, so we get a similar scene They They mm-hmm. don't really know what's going on. Right. They've not the alien seen this pops before. out and then they fry it with a flamethrower. And that's what lets you know, like this isn't going to be people running and hiding. Like yeah. this is, we're going to fight back. Yeah. Like this is war. Like purposefully, yeah. This you can't make if you made Alien again, you can't remake it. Like no, so you call in the Marines. Exactly. And uh Ken points out, I actually was going to say this, that in that original scene where the chest person comes out from Kane's chest, they knew basically what was gonna happen, but they didn't tell them how much blood there was gonna be, like exactly how it was gonna go down. So when it mm. happened, they captured their genuine reactions to everything. That so first they were spray of blood, blood is... all over them. Yeah, like they oh, had terrifying. no idea that that was what it was going to be. So that was a definite Ridley Scott thing to do is not really tell them. That's the, that's the John Singleton uh, school. Like, yeah, just set the machine guns off. See if they duck like, Whoa, John. <laughs> All right. Where do you want to go from here? I've talked about some things that I love about both of these. I've talked about some things that I think are ridiculous, but I also love about aliens. Even the title is, we're just going to do this bigger. Hey, that first movie had one alien in it. Now we're going to make it with dozens of aliens. Well, right. Remember like how great Die Hard was? Yeah, Die Harder. And then Die Hard 2, Die Harder comes out. And it's Mm -hmm. sort of the same thing, except this time he's in an airport. Yeah. And it's good. It's good. It hits a lot of the same beats, but it's not great. And that's why the third one is so much better as a sequel. Because it puts him... Like, okay, well, now he's in New York, and now he's got, like, a partner who's there helping him. And And he's got to do this, like, bounce around the city scavenger hunt this time. And it's also connected. Yeah. It's Hans Hans Gruber's brother. So there's a connection to it that makes it feel like it's a descendant of the first film, which Mm -hmm. this one does. So what happens after she's 
like there's no plan once she escapes. So she goes into cryo sleep. She just floats through the outer rim and then yeah. they find she gets lucky that they find her. We don't know if that's true or if they were actually looking for her because the company they has knew the best interest in her. This movie, like, and it does a great job at the top, I think, specifically of paying homage to the original. Aliens does a great job of saying, we know we are a sequel to Alien, but we're doing a different thing. Right down to them starting the opening title sequence the same way with the five letters appearing of, or the six letters in this case appearing of aliens and then breaking out of that with a new font, a new style, even though they started it in a similar way. Yeah. And even, I think it even carries on just the scanner that comes into the ship at the very beginning and finds her like all that stuff. It still feels like it's in the same world. Sometimes sequels, especially when they're that far apart and they're by such radically different filmmakers. Can and radically like different genres. The same world. Yes. Yeah. But these feel like they're part of the same world still. Mm-hmm. I think. I think so for the most part. I guess because I watched them in rapid succession one after the other. And the first one is such a perfect film. That when the second one, all I kept thinking watching the second one was, they made this movie, they made the sequel to Alien, and they added so many guns and so much Marine Corps. And yes, everything happens in a linear fashion and is, I'll put it this way. I think that as a story, I think that the plot of Aliens is much denser. It fills out the world. It lets us know who Ripley is more. It creates the motives behind the corporation that is colonizing these areas. Even the set is bigger because it's gone from one ship, the Nostromo, to the whole shake-and-bake colony. So now you can have scenes in the streets and in a hospital. And, you know, you have all these different locations now because you've made it bigger and you've spread it out. So I think... As world building and storytelling and character motion goes, I think that Aliens has a stronger, denser, deeper mythology and plot by nature of the fact that it's a sequel. So it's got to go deeper on that. But I think Alien is a vastly better movie. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Do you care more about the characters in Alien than you do in Aliens? Like, do you care about what happens to them? Tell me why. Because, for me, it felt a little forced in Aliens. Mm -hmm. In Alien, I I go back to that scene with Tom Skerritt and Sigourney Weaver, where that's just two great actors infusing what could be a very dry, plot-heavy scene with stakes and character moments that make you care about these people. I look at the scene in, I'll compare the dinner scene in Alien with that first introductory scene of the soldiers in Aliens. In Alien, I what I get is, I get Harry Dean Stanton, I get, you know, I get these really specific, yeah, yeah I get these specific characters who are all just kind of living their lives who have all been thrown together, and I find it way more believable than, I don't know, I guess the cracking wise with the Marines in the second movie felt so canned to me. And the whole Ripley has a daughter, and Ripley is going before the panel to say, we're taking your badge. 
And then, oh, you want your badge back? Go on this one last mission. It all felt very yeah. crammed in and artificial. So I guess the, the density of the from the director's cut. Oh, is it the daughter stuff is the director's cut? Yeah. And that's actually a picture of her mother. Oh, really? Her real mother. As oh, her, wow. As her daughter. That's yes. cool. But it felt like all of the, all of those added elements to make me, the moments that they tried to make me care about the characters more felt forced in aliens as opposed to just, you know, enjoying and watching and witnessing human behavior in the first movie made me care about these characters. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. I get the bravado of the Marines, mm-hmm. and I think it's entertaining. I mean, I Vasquez also, is hilarious. That whole is, movie, she's hilarious. They're also dismissive of everything until the second they finally encounter them. Yeah. So the, the more bravado you set up, the farther they have to fall. And they're very, very different once they encounter them, and they lose mm-hmm. half of their unit almost immediately. Yeah. Like they're gone. Their commander who's sitting there talking about it. Every every paycheck's a fortune. Every meal is a is a feast. Yeah. He's gone. He's already gone. gone. He's one of the first ones gone, isn't he? Or if not the first one, is their their leader. Yeah. Yeah. Apone goes, Frost goes, like all these guys are immediately dead. They're shooting each other. Like it's just one shoots the other, then the acid hits someone, and then that gets Mm -hmm. the flamethrower, and then there's gap like they just Anything they can do. That's all those therefores. So, yeah, there are a ton of therefores, but also that's all set up. And that's Mm -hmm. also all set up by establishing them as, like, they're the baddest people in the galaxy. Nothing phases them. Stuff like this all the time. I guess that's what it was. It felt to me like I just didn't buy them as badasses. It felt like I was watching. It felt very West Side Story. Like, I'm going to come in the frame now and crack wise with you. Well, I'm the tough girl, so I'm going to nod. It was the equivalent of like one of those old milk ads where people would cross their arms and go back to back. Be like, milk is rad. You know what I mean? Uh, I felt like they have very clear relationships with one another, which I really liked. Yeah. I thought those were little vignettes into like how they related to one another, mm-hmm. which made it harder for them when people were lost. Like, we're yeah. not going to know, but they have to deal with. So, you know, they're losing their partner. They're losing their friends. They're losing their leaders, their muscle, like all the things that they would rely on are gone. And almost every battle instinct they have is wrong. Mm -hmm. Vasquez curses herself because she uses her foot to brace a xenomorph when she shoots it. And then she gets acid on her legs and she can't move anymore. Yeah. She's look, I, and I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want you to think that I'm just, crapping on the marine unit in this movie it feels it maybe it feels cliched to me because this was the first one to do it and then every movie after that that does the single scene where each member of this military unit gets four lines that tells you who they are and how they feel about at least two other characters in the unit you know what i mean i think in this particular genre Mm mm-hmm they're not the very first. That's not a, a particularly new trope, but I do think it's similar to if you go watch it happen one night, mm-hmm. you go like, there's nothing original. I've seen this a million times. Sure. So you realize like, oh, this They're is the, the first one set the pattern, yeah. which gives it a little bit more weight. Yeah. I'm personally an aliens guy. That's where I fall on it. And I think it. Do you think it's the better movie? 
I think it's the rare sequel that's better than the original, but it's also really hard to compare them because they're such different movies. If it was the same yeah. movie again, I think it would be an easier comparison, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's an easy comparison. Not at all. That said, if alien, like, you, I don't think you can go wrong picking one over the other. My personal yeah. preference is aliens, but I appreciate alien for everything that it is. I think also it's, there are times where it feels a little bit slow. But that also yeah. is a movie made in the late seventies. It is, and and also there's yeah, there's those long, long shots of the ship mm-hmm. that yeah, it's it's setting up a different thing, and it, the pace of movies has just gotten faster through the years. Of course. Let me ask you this, and I I don't mean this to sound in any way wh- whatever. I'm not going to qualify it. Go ahead, yeah, just ask. When did you become a fan of these movies? Um, probably. When I was like 13, 14. Okay. That was my hunch. Yeah. Because I think 13-year-old me would also prefer Aliens to Alien because it moves faster. It has more explosions. You do get those characters. You know, you get a lot more characters. Depth, in a sense of depth of like, you know, that you there's more exposition about who the individual characters are. But I also wonder if any of this is, I loved this when I was a teenager. Maybe a slight bias in that regard, because I look at these as a person who had never watched them before, trying to be completely objective looking at them. I don't have a history with either of these movies. And I look at them and I go, there's a clear answer to me. And it's the first one. I think um, where it falls for me is Alien creates terror, which is good. And there's a survivor. Mm-hmm. Who like that's what she does. She survives, but I think I also prefer a little more agency in the ending. So her going to make a rescue, even like like a lot of a lot of horror films, like there's some hand that the hero or heroine or survivor has in in stopping the monster. Mm-hmm. Outside of like the way they do it is great. It's I'm not yeah. criticizing it. I like the load lifter fight. It is ridiculous. It's cool. It's yeah. Great. Like all the things, it should be like just a super corny, dumb movie. And yet the lead got nominated for best actress. Oh, she's great in so, it. Yeah. I mean, but it like, it's a real movie. She's in there doing the work, continuing what she did in alien and building on it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think it's such an impressive sequel and so hard it's such a hard movie to sequelize properly. Even, I think it was brilliant. Scott, yeah. Even Ridley Scott had trouble doing it. Well, I think like that's Prometheus why it's is, is divisive. Prometheus is of that world. That was his. It's uh, like the prequel. Gotcha. Uh, oh, it's the ship that went down that they are. It's the, it's the sneaky prequel. Oh, okay. The sneakle. The sneakle. Sure. That's the correct portmanteau. I think of that. Yeah, look, I think Aliens is great, and I think that it is fantastic that they decided on a full genre swap for the mm-hmm. second movie. I think that's such a cool idea. I just think the first movie is a better film. You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, the fact, it, it, like, there's so many things that are great about the second movie, but almost comical. Like, that ship looks like a machine gun. It even has, like, a pistol grip underneath the ship. The ship looks like a machine gun, and it has a pistol grip. The drop ship? The, the Sudoku. What's it called? The Sonico. Solano? 
The Solano, the Sunmade. The Sunmade. Yeah, if you Sulaco, look at that. Sulaco. 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 Yeah. The US of Sulaco. Yeah. 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 Look, I, I get it. And this is why I was asking why Philip, why I go back to the very beginning of this episode coming full circle toward the end. I wonder if philosophically, I think that is the difference. I think, do we go, I think we go, one of these is a better film and one of these may be a more fun movie. And what yeah, is the I, winner between a better film and a more fun movie? You, you said exactly what I'm hearing, which is you think one is a film and the other one is a movie. Yeah. So Aliens is not a film and Alien is not a movie. I don't, but I don't want to be that. Now I sound like uh, Kevin McDonald's guy who's like, I call it a television. I don't say TV because nicknames are for friends and television is no friend of mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? I sound like the guy who's like, mm, there's a difference between a film and a movie and I prefer cinema. Well, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And I'm, that, I may be wrong and I'm not trying to knock you and I'm not trying to convince you the other way. But what mm-hmm. I'm hearing is like Alien is cinema and Aliens is a really good bucket of popcorn. Yeah. And the bucket of popcorn you could throw away. I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say you can throw Aliens away. It is an expertly but crafted, brilliant thing. You go to see films. A film is always going to be better than a movie. Do you think uh, this not is always slightly separate? I don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to stretch this out. I'm just yeah. like this is making me think of that. Do you agree with what Martin Scorsese said about the Marvel films, the Marvel movies? Oh, like, that a Marvel movie can never be a not, film or cinema. Yes. Do you agree with that? Not necessarily. It's okay, if you do or don't. No, I'm I don't not, think. I don't think I do. I think Why? that. I think a Trojan horse can come in many forms, and I think that craftsmen working at the top of their craft are adding something to the canon of American cinema. And I think Marvel has undoubtedly added something to the canon of American cinema. Yeah, but I don't. And you know what? When you mentioned that, the first thing that I think of is something, I go back to something you said long ago. Mm. And it was when we did an episode about chocolate and you said that dark chocolate feels like homework. There are a lot of films that I think feel like homework you know what i mean yeah i don't think alien is one of those i think alien is it i think it is just a nearly perfect film it's exciting it's fun it's popcorn but it's also i know exactly what ridley scott is doing at the beginning with those long sweeping shots of the ship i know what jerry goldsmith's doing when he's trying to make each piece of music like a movement within this thing I mean, it's got one of the great taglines of all time on its poster. You know, in space, no one can hear you scream is a great thing to. That was written by a copywriter. Yeah, it's great. It's a great, like, it is. This is a great line to get. If I see, see that on a movie poster, I'm like, oh, this movie is going to be terrifyingly good. Do you know what the tagline is for aliens? Bet you can't eat just one. This time it's war. Ah, nice. It's good. Yeah. All right. We got to bring this in for a landing. Yeah. I'm team alien. The sense I'm getting is you're not going to move off of alien. Yeah. I don't think I can. I don't think, I think that aliens is objectively a worse movie. It's not bad. It's great. I feel like aliens is the better film and it is a rare sequel that outperforms the original, Mm -hmm. but they're so close and they're so close to each other in terms of their overall quality in my estimation. And so different from one another that you could pick either one and it's fine. So I'm happy to say 
that Alien, which is another genre buster, is it can win this. At, like, I'm not saying like you can have a win. I'm saying like I'm okay with it winning. Yeah. It wouldn't be my, it, you know. Again, I'm and I'm not, here, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not necessarily advocating. Convince you? I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you that Aliens is cinema. That's yeah. going to be a waste of both our time yeah. and the time of everybody listening to this who already either agrees with you or agrees with me. Yeah. No, we're not going to change hearts and minds. At well, this point. I, but I don't want you to think that I'm coming into this like dead set. I'm trying to look at the two of them ob- as objectively as possible. I would argue that when I heard you start describing them, like mm-hmm. you had criticisms for aliens and zero uh, like i haven't heard you criticize alien yeah i think it's pretty perfect so there you go so that can be the answer there you go there's no reason why why that can't be it people of the world (laughs) this feels like hold on a second this feels like you went the way you just said people of the world it felt like the verbal equivalent of no 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 i i'm not saying that at all listen i know when i'm being bullied and i don't <laughs> want you to take my lunch money hey I get it hey nerd hey nerd hang on a second while i hang your underpants over this locker yeah yeah now do the people of the world people of the world yeah. alien is so good it's perfect you stay up there you stay up there aliens is a smelly pig and i yeah. hate it yeah you hate it it's gross with all those Marines and all that fighting and all yes, the aliens. Dumb. Too many aliens. Uh, Alien is the winner. You really could pick either one. They're two completely different movies. Yeah. And that's what makes it such a fun debate to have. It's fun to dive in. Yeah. It's fun to rewatch these movies. If you haven't seen them before. They're so good. I, I saw them for the first time. They're so, so good. And skip three and four. Yeah. Or watch three and four. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. How many are there? Favorites? Do you yeah, jump from one to two to five? There is a main quadrilogy, and then there's Prometheus, which is kind of an offshoot. Right. And they, it all takes place in the same universe as Blade Runner. Really? Uh, Ridley Scott has said it's the same. Wayland yutani I think Wayland yutani actually appears in Blade Runner on one of the buildings. Anyway, Alien is the answer. Asked and answered. Thank you, EJ Salazar, for this topic. Yes. Thank you, EJ. I, now I feel I feel guilty. I feel like I bullied you, Hal. But you know what? Doesn't matter. This topic <laughs> is closed. I'm fine with it. Fair. Yeah. This topic Over. is closed. There are many more topics to discuss, so please reach out to us on Twitter at We Got This Tweets or you can email us at We Got This Podcast at gmail.com or go to our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash We Got This Podcast. Share your favorite alien moments and memories. Alien, aliens, alien cubed, alien resurrection, any of them. It's all fair game. Also, thank you to producer Ken Plume. You can support him at patreon.com slash Ken Plume. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kelman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world, without whom I would not have seen these two movies that I really, really loved. They're so much fun. I hope if you haven't seen them, you will see them. You are the reason that Hal and I recorded this tonight. You are the reason that we've done so many of these episodes and had a great time doing them. You are the reason that I popped some popcorn and turned the lights off and had four plus hours of delightful alien experience tonight. And it is all thanks to you. The reason we do the show, the people of the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Agliardi, I'm Hal Lublin, and don't worry, everybody. We got this. We got this. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. 
audience supported.